This is Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Forget what you think you know about church. All right, please. Gospel according to Luke. The Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And and, uh, so in time, Uh, The same way, all seven died childish, childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as uh, Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. This is the true gospel of the Lord. Praise to the Lord, the word, the light. Be seated, please. So I say good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. I have a few questions for all of you to begin with this afternoon. A little quiz, if you will. Number one, how many three cent stamps in a dozen? 
A3, B4, C12, D6. Don't, you don't have to answer it. Just think of the numbers in your mind, okay? Number two, you're the pilot of an airplane that now travels, that travels from uh, New York to Chicago, a distance of 800 miles. The airplane travels at 200 miles per hour and makes one stop for 30 minutes. What is the pilot's name? A, there's information missing. B, you can't tell from the, from the question. C, both A and B. D, you can tell from the question. Number three, is it legal for a man to marry his widow's sister? A, yes. B, no. C, legally has no, legality has nothing to do with it. Or D, it's legal but unethical. Well, there are correct answers to these questions. They are, they're all framed in such a way to trip people up. In our text this afternoon, Luke 20, 27 through 40, Jesus has an encounter with some people who were once again trying to trick him up. It had happened before. In verses 20 through 26, some religious leaders had tried to trap him into saying something uh, seditious about the Romans by asking whether it was right to pay taxes to the emperor. His render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's response outwitted them, but it did not stop them from trying again. In verse 27, then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who who say there is no resurrection from the dead. Now, in first century Judah, there were multiple factions vying for power and influence. The Pharisees were a kind of back to the Bible movement with a lot of holiness rules and regulations. And while Jesus was frequently at odds with these guys, he was most like them in his framework. The Pharisees accepted the whole of what we call the Old Testament as scripture, including the prophets and the Psalms. They also believed that there was life after death, a resurrection of the dead. The other major power block in society was a group called Sadducees. These were the guys who ran the temple, manned by priests. The Pharisees ran, uh, ran all the neighborhood synagogues, which were manned by rabbis. But the Sadducees ran the Jerusalem temple and saw the center of life as revolving around the sacrificial system. Thus, they saw the Pharisees as disruptive usurpers. Pragmat pragmatists, the Sadducees had made alliances with the occupying Roman forces, but the Pharisees were frequently at odds with the Romans. The Sadducees accepted the first five books of the Old Testament as authoritative, but they rejected the prophets and the writings. They also rejected the idea of life after death or any kind of resurrection. That's the background to verse 27. And then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders, who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They, po they pose this question, teacher. Moses gave us, a, gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving a wife and no children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child uh, and have, um, I'm sorry, have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother married the widow, but he also died. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them who died without children. Finally, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. <laughs> this was perhaps a, a bit of a stock argument that the Sadducees used when arguing with the Pharisees. 
there's actually a fascinating story in Jewish literature. The book of Tobit is uh, it's a book in the Acrophia, I think it's right, Apocrophia, about a woman who had outlived six husbands who had all died on their wedding night, and she was about to marry the seventh. In other words, this whole framework for debate is deeply rooted in the culture. It was not just a random story that they dreamed up to stump Jesus. It was an old story given a new twist that they used to try to stump anyone who believed in the afterlife, including Jesus. In verse 34, Jesus replied, Marriage is for people here on earth, but in the age to come, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. Notice that he does not say that people will become angels after they die. That's a bit of a, a modern cultural myth that seems to be based in, mis, misre, in the misreading of this, pack, this passage. Angels were created as angels, biblically speaking, and they are not good human beings who have died, been given wings and harps. Someone probably needs to break this news to Clarence, the angel second class who was trying to earn his wings in the movie classic, It's a Wonderful Life. That's a nice story, but not a biblically accurate one. Now, of course, Jesus isn't trying to give a lecture on angel life, but by way of illustration, he is saying that angels don't do marriage. And in the coming era, we as humans will be in a similar situation. Marriage is an institution for people here and now in this age, this era. Marriage is not forever, at least not in the sense in which we currently experience it. Remember the context of the question that was given to Jesus. It was a, a trite legal question about a social institution and the related obligations. Think of marriage in two senses. In one sense, it is about a relationship between two people, intimacy, love, and that is important. But in another sense, it is about social structure and obligation. And this is what the Sadducees were talking about. In the ancient world, most marriages were arranged and the alliances and, co excuse me, and obligations of the marriage uh, institution were the fabric of society. In our world, people fall in love and get married. In their world, people got married and then learned to love. And it worked pretty well. But the primary emphasis was on family obligation as opposed to personal expression. So was Jesus saying that after the resurrection, everyone will be single? I'm not so sure that's his point. Rather that in the new heaven and new earth, and new earth society is structured differently. People don't marry or need to be given in marriage. Society does not depend on that structure. So the trick question was moot, irrelevant. Exactly what that means for marriage as a relationship is unclear, and that does not seem to be Jesus' point here. Rather, he is saying that at the resurrection, that is at the culmination of time and history when God calls his people, those who have embraced him and trusted in him, he brings them back from the dead for the final time. They will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. They are children of God and children of the resurrection. Now Jesus could have left it at that, for he had soundly debunked the Sadducees' argument. 
but he throws in one more zinger. Hopefully this one will wake you up. Very much in a radical, I'm sorry, that word always gets me again. Radical, and radical is like a rabbi, rabbi's way, a radical style of argument or illustration. In verse 37, but now, as to whether the dead will be raised, even Moses proved this when he wrote about the burning bush. Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, he referred to the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. But they are all alive to him. Notice that Jesus quotes the portion of the Old Testament that the Sadducees accepted, a common story, the foundational story of the burning bush, where in retrospect, Moses referred to the Lord as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If they were, if they were finally and forever dead, the logic is, how could the Lord be their God, for he is the, the God of the living? <laughs> that is the wrap-up, the cap of his argument in response to the trick question of the Sadducees. And suddenly from the wings, some additional characters enter the story to pronounce Jesus the victor in the argument. In verse 39, well said, teacher, remarked some of the teachers of religious law, uh, law who were standing there, that is, scribes, who would also be Pharisees the guys who were always trying to convince the Sadducees that there is a resurrection of the dead. In verse 40, and then no one dared to ask him any more questions. That's it. There were no more trick questions. And the thing I want us to see in this story is how Jesus kept the main thing the main thing. Too often we end up in these unwinnable arguments over peripheral issues, side issues, tricky issues. The question about marriage was really a, a red herring to try and trap Jesus, to divert his attention from the important issue of who he was and what he had come to do and inaugurate. There's no life in the trick questions. They're just meant to mess with your head. And sometimes that's fun, especially if you're not getting a grade for how you answer on the quiz. But how often do we get into discussions about spiritual matters that end up arguing over how many angels can dance on the head of a needle or the modern equivalent? And we never get anywhere with these things except perhaps mad. But when we keep the focus on the central issues, the side issues aren't so tricky. But wait a minute. You might say, how do we know which of these issues are the central issues and which are the side issues? We all agree that counting the number of angels that can dance on the head of a needle is frivolous. And some hyper-hypothetical question about seven brothers all dying after marrying one woman seems pretty out there as well. But what about the amount of water used in baptism or whether infants can be baptized? Is that a central issue? Or we waste precious time arguing about when exactly Jesus is coming back. Or if you're African, you might get caught up in a, an argument over whether you should keep more than one of your wives after you become a Christian. We Westerners really, really uh, fail to grasp the challenge and anxiety over such issues. If you're Asian, you might get into some uh, complex side arguments about whether you can show respect to your ancestors by burning incense and talking to their spirits. Or what about divorce and remarriage? Gay marriage? All issues over which faithful Christians have disagreements. Notice, I'm not saying that we need to brush all disagreements aside or never have some good, healthy discussion on the issues. But we cannot let those issues become defining 
or central. So what is the central issue? Here's a general question which will help us keep the main thing the main thing about 99% of the time when we disagree. Does my response fit well with and emerge directly from the resurrection life? Jesus' main thing is resurrection life. And everything he says or does flows from that point of reference. And that is illustrated in the confrontation with the Sadducees. Sometimes we talk about this in terms of new life in Christ. In 2 Corinthians verse 5, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ <clears throat> has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. What we call the new life is really the resurrection life. We start now living out what is to come, uh, what is to uh, become, I'm sorry, I've got this I've typed all wrong, I think, here. We start living out what is to come because we are connected with Christ who has already conquered death. There we go. We're living in the future and surviving in the present. Now, this is important. Try and stay with me here. When we keep the focus on the central issue, the side issues become less tricky. For followers of Jesus, the central issue is resurrection life. Everything that we say and do as followers of Jesus or those who follow in his footsteps then needs to flow from this central point, this hub, this new life in Christ. Again, it is not wrong to think about the side issues or even to hold an opinion on them but they cannot become the focus and they cannot be defining for us for we have already another defining relationship and that is resurrection life, new life in Christ. If we shift our focus to the side issues, we end up with a lot of trickery and people start playing a lot of unhealthy games trying to outmaneuver one another. So here's the question for you and this is not in any way a trick question. Are there some areas of personal passion and persuasion in your life that are trying to weasel themselves into a central spot? That is, are there matters which are unimportant in God's scheme of things which have become centrally important to you? We live in an era where politics has become polarizing and people are choosing sides, often equating their uh, perspective with God's perspective and demonizing those who disagree. Even Christians are divided over Trump's wall or the impending impeachment. We find that people won't have anything to do with anyone else who disagrees with them on political issues. Relationship to Trump or Biden has become more defining than relationship with Christ and how they relate to others and even other Christians. Again, it's not bad to have a political agenda, but that agenda cannot supersede new life in Christ as the main thing in your life. The focus of your passion and energy, mental, emotional, and otherwise. Hey, we live in a tricky world and there are major issues and people vying for your undivided loyalty. There are trolls, people who want to yank your chain or send you off on bunny trails just because they feel empowered by your responses. These are challenging times. Boy, are they. And the greatest challenge, then, is to keep the resurrection, your relationship 
with the risen Christ as the central focus of your life. Keep the main thing the main thing. When we keep the focus on the central issue, the side issues become less tricky. For followers of Jesus and those who follow in his footsteps, the central issue is resurrection life. We live with great expectation and we have, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through our faith, God is protecting us by his power until we receive the salvation, which in, in, in is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So we are truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though we have to endure many trials for a little while. Amen. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. You're listening to Your Path with Bishop Mark from Dallas Universal Life Church in Dallas, Texas. Once again, everybody's favorite time and the most popular section of our service, the announcements. I don't know about that either. Eh, kind of seeing if anybody would catch on to that. Thank you, Baylor. Okay, here we go. Short and sweet. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, or complaints. Compliments, concerns, suggestions, or complaints. Pretty simple, guys. All you got to have is this email address right here. Feedback at DallasULC.com. Have any of those four little issues? Feedback at DallasULC.com. <clears throat> prayer requests. We do accept prayer requests here at Dallas Universal Life Church. We pray every single day here at Dallas Universal Life Church. You can uh, turn in your prayer request with us. You can make it anonymous. You can put in your name. You can ask that your services, your prayers be for your prayer request be said during our private prayers during the week or during the services on Sunday with the entire congregation. All you got to know is that email address. You got another one. Pray at DallasULC.com. Pray at DallasULC.com. Prayer requests. We'll be glad to take them for you. You know, you can make a difference. We always need volunteers here at Dallas Universal Life Church, and uh, I'm always putting this out there because we can never have enough. We need all the help we can get. There's always an opening. There's always something to learn. There's always something for you to give back. If you'd like to be a volunteer here with us, hey, first, come on to church and check us out, okay? Secondly, visit DallasVLC.com or sign up with me personally. I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that I can find something for you to do here, okay? Another way to make a difference is, of course, to donate to our lovely church. We are a nonprofit corporation. None of us here take a salary. None of us do. We all volunteer, okay? Is that coming up? There it is. Now, there's a couple of ways you can do this. Look, like I said, again, I'm not great at fundraising. I'm not great at talking about money. So just go check this stuff out here if you're interested in, in donating. If you like what we're saying, if you like what, you, what you're hearing, if you like the way that things are going here and, and, and the track that we're on, if you see that we're on this, what we see we're on, this wonderful track of, of, of bringing this word to the world, then help us out. We do need, I mean, that's, we don't survive without... Uh, donations and our doors to stay open we must have donations and it's because of people like you that we are open to begin with so anchor.fm slash bishop mark slash support that is our podcast station uh, they so graciously provide that e that address there that at uh, uh, that website 
for our listeners to donate to us through the podcast. Very simple. We do get all of that money. Just there were some questions about that at times. Uh, we get every cent that goes through there. Anchor.fm slash Bishop Marks support. That's the easiest way to do things. Also, you can go to DallasULC.com. Always you can go to DallasULC.com. That's going to have your latest up-to-date information and all the ways you can donate to Dallas Universal Life Church. Don't forget, if you shop at Amazon.com, please always go to smile.amazon.com. Make sure that Dallas Universal Life Church is your charity. And, and, and Amazon will graciously donate half a cent for every dollar that you spend. Believe it or not, it adds up. The more we get, think about it, if you got a hundred people to do that and they spent a hundred dollars a week, we'd be doing okay. Think about that. Pass that on to your friends. Okay? Moving on. Guess what it's time for, guys? Guess what? Can you, can you guess by the picture what time it is? I know I'm hungry right now, so let's talk about this pretty quickly because my stomach's growling. Thanksgiving service, communion, Bishop's Round Table and Potluck Dinner. Boy, that's a mouthful, and I mean the mouthful. Will take place on Thursday, November the 28th, 2019, Thanksgiving Day, at beginning at 5.30 p.m. sharp. 5.30 p.m. sharp, because we have to get this done. There's a lot to fit into a, a short schedule there. Now, you need to see me, Bishop Mark, it's going to come a little slow here, unfortunately, uh, to sign up for the potluck. If you want to participate in the potluck, please see me. Please get in touch with me or the church office and uh, so we can choose what dish you're bringing. That way not everybody brings sweet, sweet, sweet potato casserole or, or yams or, or uh, you know, uh, green bean casserole. Everybody can bring something different because it's, uh, you know, I love, I love a good feast, but it's kind of nice to have a little variety. And if everybody brings the same thing, we might all be a little perturbed. So please see me about signing up for this uh, potluck. It's only a couple weeks away. Okay, November the 28th. All right. That'll wake you up, won't it? Well, did you know we had a podcast? Apparently, uh, neither did our computer because it's uh, been some issues. It kind of uh, it looks like our sort of our formatting got a little messed up there, but that's okay. That's all right. We understand what it is. We know we're looking at our podcast. Our podcast is cool, folks. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please do. It's different than being here in the studio, in the uh, in this in the uh, church, or even watching us on YouTube. Um, it, it, you hear different things, you, you experience it differently, and hey, you can go and be jogging while you're listening to Bishop Mark and your path with Bishop Mark. Now, how do you get there? How do you get to our podcast? Well, just like that, you go to your browser and you type in your path with Bishop Mark, your path with Bishop Mark. Or you can always, always check us out at these wonderful providers, Anchor, Apple uh, Podcasts, Breaker, uh, Podbean, Spotify, CastBox, Google, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts. Radio Public, Stitcher, and Tune In. Chances are, if you don't have one of those apps on your phone, you can find it there in your app store and check us out, Your Path with Bishop Mark. Please, check it out. It's, it's, I put a lot of work into it, and I, I hope you all enjoy it. Okay? Guess what? We've got our 100th episode coming up. I, I, can't, I haven't determined whether I've miscounted something or not yet, and I didn't get a chance today to go back and check it, but it's either Thanksgiving Day or the Sunday after will be our 100th episode for our podcast. And that's kind of a big deal. It's a milestone in any kind of broadcasting network or, or uh, show that you have. 100 episodes is pretty cool. So keep that in mind, okay? Guess what? Short and sweet. <laughs>